Welcome to Outdoor Adventures with Jason. Each week, I bring the world of hunting, fishing, and conservation to you. From the great hunting and fishing opportunities found in the Americas to the dream safaris located on the dark continent beyond. I'll introduce you to those who are already out in the field living every outdoor enthusiast's dream, as well as outfitters and gear manufacturers that can make those dreams your reality. Welcome to an episode of Outdoor Adventures with Jason. Today I'm excited to have on Sherman Rayshine of Wicked Tine Outdoors. This is a show that right now he's got some episodes showing in a Canadian market on Wild TV, as well as North Carolina market and, and some other local markets. And you can also see some of the episodes on his YouTube channel. Sherman, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I've been following you on, on Facebook and through your YouTube channel and having some great episodes. I really enjoy the way you put the show together. Tell me a little bit about the show. Was this Wicked Tine Outdoors, was it your concept? Yeah, it's been a, a natural progression for me. I've been filming myself and my kids for the last several years. You know, it just kind of got to the point where I'm like, well, you know, where do I want this to go? Where do I see this going? And it, it you know, kind of goes back to, you know, when you're in high school and somebody asks you, okay, if money wasn't an object, what one thing would you do for the rest of your life? Or what would you do for your job? And of course, mine growing up and in school, whatever it was, I always loved to hunt. So my answer was always hunting. I'm like, well, what's my end game? What do I want to do? If I'm filming this, what do I want to do? And, and for me, it was always a goal to have a TV hunting pro. Hey, if I could do anything, that's what I would do. I would go on these hunts that I've dreamt about doing my whole life and to be able to have that to show others. So you don't just come back and show them still pictures of, hey, look at this you know, great hunt that I went on. I wanted to be able to show that to others and, you know, not only myself, but friends and family of mine and, you know, especially my kids, I, I really enjoyed going out and coming back and being able to, you know, show friends, show my wife, you know, hey, this is what we're doing. Kind of came to a point like, hey, I want to do this. I want to put together a show and, you know, try to get it on TV. That was you know, that was really what I was hoping to do. So I ended up hiring somebody that was very good with camera at that point had not been a professional, but it was somebody that I knew locally. He had some editing skills and we just kind of, he kind of transformed from that, you know, like, okay, okay. How many episodes do we need? Well, we need 13. Oh, then we started looking at what hunts we need to put together. It just kind of, we, we stumbled along the way, of course, to be quite honest, I didn't really know what I was doing. I was kind of making it up as we went, but now we're in our third year, basically are setting up the hunts to kind of figure out all right how many shows we're going to have if we get you know the the end that we're looking for is this going to be a show is this going to be a one-part episode a two-part episode and you know and again with hunting it's not like you can say okay i'm going on a hunt to ohio and so i'm going to have that show i'm going to kill this 170 inch whitetail and it's all going to be perfect very seldom happens you have to book out way more than you think you're going to need and hope for the best and you know that's one of the the, the tough things with industry is you know at the end of the day, people want to see an exciting conclusion, a harvest, and that is not always an easy thing to do. So, you know, it, it's it's definitely been a learning experience um, just from er basically every perspective of it, from, you know, how hard it is to get people to either donate or, you know, help you along with promoting your show and you promoting their product to getting getting your show on, whether it be, you know, locally, whether it be nationally. It's just been a, a really, really great learning experience, but it, it's been a very tough learning experience. And, I, you know, I can definitely see why it's, you know, it's so tough for smaller companies or like myself trying to start out because it, it takes a lot of time and a lot of money that, 
you know, you, you basically have to come out of pocket. Well, no, you're on full time, or at least for the last several years, have been on full time in Canada, correct? Yeah, we've actually done very well in Canada. We, we're on four days a week year round up there. I've hunted, you know, we try to get up to Canada several times. We do a, a bear hunt every spring. I did an elk hunt up there this year. I did a whitetail hunt in the Edmonton Bow Zone. And, you know, we, we've really gotten traction in Canada, which, you know, it is actually much easier to do in that market because they have basically one station up there. They don't have all the different networks. So if you can get your foot in, you know, it's it definitely been an, in, an easier market for me to crack into. So I, we've done very well up there. We're very proud of what we've done up there. And, you know, we, we love hunting up there for sure. It's one of those areas where you can go and there's just so much game no matter what province you're in. Yeah, it's a great, great spot. I've been fishing and hunting in Ontario several times and it's a great spot. Now you're in Absolutely. Wisconsin, correct? Correct. Yes, I'm I'm based out of a smaller town just west of Madison, about a half hour. And is the bulk of your pro staff also out of the Wisconsin area, or do they cover across the U.S.? Uh, the, the majority of the pro staff is in south, southwestern Wisconsin. We've got a pro staffer out of Illinois as well, and then another pro staffer out of Ohio. You know, and, and we've done some different things trying to, we've done some Facebook promotions, trying to get people from other areas. I would like to have more from uh, across the United States and Canada. The problem is it's tough to find people that are dedicated to getting the quality footage and, and putting the time in to help out your, your sponsors. In other words, you know, working that extra hour to an hour and a half, two hours on getting the shots that you need. Just going out and, and shooting something now, everybody's got a, a camera on their bow or, you know, they've got their phone out there and they're taking video or, you know, even if they have a, a camera arm with a, a decent camera, you know, when you're out there cell filming, it's it's just tough to get good quality. So you know we've I've looked at a lot of submissions and it's just it takes a real commitment from a person or more importantly a team because you're you're not you know it's just not the one person you're looking for. They've got to have a buddy or a family member or what it whatever it's going to be that's going to be up there in the tree with them or in a ground blind. You know we we really need to have two people at all times and it's tough. You know people have jobs they've got their lives that you know whether it's kids family whatever it is. It, it takes a big part, you know, a, a lot of time away from, uh, from you know, your job, your family, and to get to get the quality that, you know, we really want, it's, it's not an easy task. And, you know, we've went through, you know, several different pro staffers that, yes, I'm all in, I'm all in. Well, they go out there and, well, the camera wasn't on it, but I wasn't going to pass that, that buck up. Well, unfortunately, it's just the way it is. You, you have to have the camera. I mean, there's, there's three deer this year that I can look at and say 100% I didn't kill because of the cameraman. And that's just in the last, well, uh, that's just in November. So it's, it's that much tougher and you and you have to have that that commitment where hey i'm not going to shoot it if it's not on film tell my pro staffers all the time if it's not on film it didn't happen sure and it's it's tough for some people to swallow that pill and some people just won't do it you know i i understand that i mean hey it, trust me i don't i don't sleep at night sometimes when i i look back at you know what's transpired over the last few weeks but you know when it does come together it's that much more rewarding and that's what i you know try to emphasize you know to the guys and like hey when this comes together you're going to have a hunt that you can look back on for the rest of your life and i guess that's why I do it. I mean, for me now, I won't go hunting without a camera guy. I just, I won't do it. That's the best part of it for me is to come back and show people and they look at this, you know, can you believe that animal did this or, oh, you know, we were so close. It just, that's as much of the thrill as the harvest for me now. Well, that's great. You know, if somebody's looking
recording, because you mentioned everybody's got a camera out there or they're recording with their phone or whatever they may have. What are some minimum requirements somebody should consider if they should ever want to submit to you or to others? What kind of cameras are you guys looking for them to use or how are you looking for them to film? Is digital on film? Um, we're, we're running everything in, in 4K right now, just for the fact that that's the future. Not only that, just for editing nowadays, when you are shooting in 4K, you're able to just do so much more in post-edit. Say that that animal's not framed up per- perfectly. You can get it framed up perfectly. But, you know, and, and there's, there's great cameras out there that are expensive, but not to the point. I, the last several cameras that I bought to help out pro staffers were through eBay. I bought them used and you can get a really good Sony AX100 4K camera for around on eBay for around that thousand dollars. And this is an incredible camera. I mean, it, you know, they'd come down, they were a couple thousand that came out and I think you can get them new now for about fourteen, fifteen hundred dollars You know, I, I bought several for, for other pro staffers and, you know, they're on eBay for around that thousand dollars. But, you know, getting back to the, the filming side of it, what I try to tell people is create your story. You know, everybody has a story. Whether you're, you work at a sporting goods store and you know you just live to hunt and you know that's your story or you're a, a logger or a factory worker I mean these are the, what we have on our on our pro staff team everybody has a story and that's what you need to show um, the camaraderie with your buddies again going out and getting a kill on film is 20 seconds of a 28 minute and 30 second episode I mean it, it's so small you have to take into consideration everything it was what I always tell people is tell your story what's your story everybody has a story and you have to show the story about you. People want to watch a story about somebody they can relate to. We're not all Michael Waddell or, you know, Lee and Tiffany. We can't all go out and shoot 200 inch deer out our back door on our property. It's just, it's not reality. So, you know, show what's reality for you. You know, if going out and shooting 140 inch deer is the biggest deer you've ever taken and that's the most exciting thing to you, people can see that. And again, that's your story. Um, so tell tell your story, whether whether it's, like I said, your job, your family, the commitments that you have in, in life, just create that. And, and again, you really need, if you're going to get in, into filming, you got to have a buddy. you got to have somebody that you can trust that you can switch off like, hey, I'm going to hunt you know, in the mornings, you hunt in the afternoons, we'll switch it up tomorrow. Because it, it is really tough to get high quality footage when you're self-filming. I mean, we've all seen it. The shot goes off, the deer is in the center, it's zoomed way back. You see the shot and you see the cameraman, you know, grab it and swing it over to the, you know, trying to follow the deer. And that's fine. But for what I'm looking to do, that's not really what I want. I mean, I want a quality, a quality show that's nice fluid movement after the shot. You know, I'm just, I'm trying to put the best quality out there. And, and in my opinion, you got to have two people in the tree to get that. Yeah, I, I was watching uh I think your episode one yesterday, that exact thing there where the camera guy keeps leaning around the tree as that buck comes yep. walking in because at one point or another, either one of you can see the deer, but not both of you. And then finally right. the deer cooperates and backs up to a spot where you both can see it. Yep. So, and kudos to, and I don't know if this was your decision or you have a, a producer that helped you with the shows, but your narrator on there is fantastic. Oh, great. Yeah. Well, it's a, uh... I've got a you know production company that we have, and you know, we also work with another production company that you know, there's, everybody sees sees a program from a different light. Uh, I have a brother-in-law who's got just a great eye who you know we will rough out a show. Or actually, he does a lot of the roughing out of the shows. You know, he he can look at a show and say, hey, it, it needs this, it needs this. It, you know, we, we need to have a good transition here. Let's put in a time lapse of the sun going down with the bow. I mean, it's just there's so much that goes into a show that you don't even notice until you start producing one. You're like, wow, that's 
of really cool shots. The things that I've never, ever noticed before for years and years of watching hunting shows, there's so much that goes into them. Again, th that kill shot is just seconds or maybe a minute of the whole show. You have to create everything else. And, you know, again, that's part of this whole learning experience that I've had <laughs> brought to light in front of my eyes like wow you know there is there is a lot more to this than just going out and shooting one and saying hey i did it nothing like a little trial by fire yeah absolutely well in a couple of weeks ago as we started talking you were headed down to new mexico was it not with your boys yeah i took uh my eight-year-old and my 16-year-old down to new mexico my 16-year-old drew a very good antelope tag down there this year and, and we went down there and had just an incredible time my son shot a great antelope uh, his first antelope that he's ever harvested and it was just, you know, an incredible time being able to take take both of my sons down there and, and uh, have that experience and then, you know, to have a successful hunt uh, to come together too. So that's, that'll be uh, in, in next year's next year's show and I can't wait to see how that show comes together. Again, it's, you know, it was just shot a little over a month ago and so we haven't even started editing that or even thought of that because, you know, we're in the, the height of hunting season right now. So with these cameras, or 4K, everything is shot directly to uh, like an SD card? Correct, yep. So it's all digital shoots? We, uh, correct. And then we download everything and make sure we have two or three copies of everything because we've had we had issues in the past. Again, part of the learning experience, my, my brother-in-law had a, a hard drive on his desk standing upright, which is the way that, you know, you normally have them. And it just fell on its side and we lost two hunts. And you can't redo a hunt you know you can't redo the kill shot you know you can get second angles and and you, you'll see a lot of that uh you know i can notice those things nowadays on on other shows where i'm like oh yeah i definitely reshot that but you can't re you can't redo the kill and so we learned again a very valuable lesson like okay we need to have multiple copies and they need to be in multiple areas you know we can't have you know i can't have both copies in my house well if my house went down you know burned down or something i would be i would be done so you know we, we and, and the good thing nowadays with with Dropbox, you can put it out there where you know you're gonna you're gonna have it, but you know you've got to make sure you got multiple copies of things because man, you just you can't redo that that kill shot and the excitement, you know everything that transpires right after the the shot. Yeah, it certainly makes the case for uh, offsite digital storage. Absolutely. So as you move through, I, I noticed, are you primarily a bow hunter? I am. We do we do some rifle hunting and we do some muzzleloader, late season muzzleloader stuff. But my, my true passion is archery. And we, we just recently picked up a, a bow sponsor, uh, Gearhead Archery. An absolutely incredible company. Is actually, a, they're a local company here. And I would definitely encourage anybody to go out there and, and check them out, Gearhead Archery. And that's one of the things that I was really working on is, is getting a, a bow sponsor because that's that's where my true passion is i love archery hunting i like being up close and personal you get to hunt at times of the year where whether it be a bull elk screaming in your face or the you know whitetail during the rut that's what i love to do i nothing better to me than you know pursuing animal with a stick and string oh fantastic is is this new sponsor are they a bow manufacturer they are yep they are a bow manufacturer it's a very non-traditional bow the, the bow that i'm shooting is only 24 inches long you shoot through the Limbs. Definitely uh, an unusual looking bow, and we we get a lot of scratching of heads when when people see it. But they're they're making a lot of noise, and you're going to be seeing a lot more of them. I'm sure of that. So, was there a learning curve switching from a traditional compound bow? Ah, uh, you know, it it, it shoots 
it shoots very similar. It's just the fact that you have, it's so much shorter. I mean, hunting out of a tree or out of a blind is just so much easier. You know, it, the bow actually comes with a backpack. You stick the whole bow right inside the backpack. So going to and from, you know, not having to carry your bow, you know, that's the biggest transition. Now you don't have to worry about, you know, you get up in the tree and pull your bow out of the backpack and not having to drag it up with the, the string. And But, you know, as far as shooting, it's it's a, a great shooting bow. It, it took me about 20 minutes of tuning it to getting, you know, shooting out to 60 yards and feeling very confident in, in that. Um, yeah, it's just, it's an unusual looking bow, but it's a, it's a great shooting bow. And it, it shoots, you know, very similar to what, what I've been shooting for years. And what broadheads? You know, there's the whole mechanical or fixed. Where do you lean in? Well... For me, because I had a bad experience with a, a large game animal, several years ago I, I shot an elk with a mechanical and made what I thought was a perfect shot. You know, the guide's like, watch him, he's going to go down, he's going to go down, and I just didn't get penetration. I think expandables are fantastic on whitetail and smaller game, but on large game, I go with a, a fixed broadhead. I don't want... You know, I don't want any issues. I, I don't know. To me, I use expandables on whitetail, and I hunt whitetail more than anything else. And I love that the, the way that a mechanical flies, true. But we are also sponsored by Interlock, who have an adjustable fixed broadhead. In other words, you can it's a tunable fixed broadhead. So that's what I used last year when I took a, an elk in Idaho and actually dropped him in his tracks. I went, you know, made a great shot on him and, and dropped him right in his tracks, and that was with a fixed broadhead. So I, I'm partial actually I guess you'd say to both because I shoot both just depend on on what I I don't shoot a traditional compound bow I'm I'm handicapped and, and not able to draw them back. I use a crossbow. So out of that, I do use a fixed blade, but I have used expandables. Uh, I just, I find that the Excalibur crossbow that I use really likes their bolt cutter broadhead. will really get the job done with that. So it's good to hear. I, I like to get other people's ideas and, and feedback on what they're doing and what they, they find to be successful. Yeah. Asking, asking that question is kind of like asking what's the best bow. You know, it's, <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> you can really start a mess. People are, pretty passionate about their broadheads you know what bows they shoot and, and I, again i mean i mine is based on my personal experience i have no problem i mean i've had numerous buddy kill elk actually in camp with me with expandables but you know for me i had that one bad experience i didn't get the penetration that i thought i should have so i switched over and killed the next elk that i shot with a, a fixed broadhead so i mean it for me you know i shoot both of them and it's strictly based on my personal experience so you know i think there's a, a use for all of them well great that's uh, always like i said i, I love to get the feedback on those items so you've done quite a bit of elk hunting yes i that that's my that's the thing i love doing more than anything i'm, I'm a whitetail hunter growing up here in wisconsin that's my my real passion nothing beats you know 800 900 pound screaming bull coming in at 15 20 yards and you know you're you're there with a, a compound or you know what, whatever you're using to try to take that animal down i mean that's that's something that i i want to do for as long as i'm i'm able now where in canada did you go elk hunting at um i was in Alberta, near the Wilmore National Forest. Oh, okay. So you've been Canada, Idaho... Have you been able to get tags for New Mexico, Arizona, that area? Yeah, I've I've hunted in New Mexico for elk five times. I've had many opportunities, and I just can't get it done in that state. And I will keep trying for the rest of my life. That's one of my favorite places to hunt. The quality of animals in New Mexico is unbelievable. I, I have not hunted Arizona or New Nevada, which I know they have incredible hunts there as well. It's just really, really difficult to draw tags. I've been very lucky in New Mexico. I've been able to draw tags 
uh, on multiple occasions. And then I've also uh, been able to purchase a couple landowner tags. You know, that's one of the nice things about New Mexico as well. If you don't draw, you might still be able to, you know, purchase a landowner tag. Yeah, they've got a very good system in place for distribution of, of the wildlife hunting opportunities. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, you know, one of the things that's frustrating about you know, a state like Colorado. Colorado has nearly as many elk as all the rest of the states combined. But the the way that they manage that area, there's so many areas, you know, you can just go over the counter, which I see both sides of it. I, I like, you know, I understand that it's nice to go to a spot where you can hunt every year, but if they would, you know, put some sort of restrictions on some of those areas, the quality of elk in Colorado could be second, second to none, just for the fact that there's so many of them, you know, it's just, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I see both sides of it, but when you look at the numbers of elk that Colorado has in comparison to every place else, I don't know. It, it would be interesting to see. And, and again, and they, they do have they do that in a bunch of units and the problem is the way that they do it it's strictly a point system where there's some places that takes 24 26 years of getting points well I don't know what I'm going to be doing in a year from now 24 26 years from now I certainly you know I, I hope I'm able to pursue these animals but you know I don't I don't want to wait that amount of time to, to go elk hunting no I understand that you may not be able to draw a bow in 24 26 years right exactly you put, you put all that time effort and let's face it money money into getting drawn and then you can't do the darn thing right exactly so now you are in wisconsin a state that has some fantastic whitetail are some of these shows shot on your i'm assuming you also do some farming uh, I, I don't do any farming. I, I own a few self-storage facilities and I general contract for other customers that are building self-storage. And that's how I make my, my real money. I do own a couple farms here in Wisconsin. And uh, that episode that you saw, episode one, that was shot on my own personal farm. And out of that same tree stand that same year, the deer you saw me shot was by far the smallest deer that was shot out of there. My, my son shot, well, he would have been 170 inch deer that I was, you know, I was after for a couple of years. I was filming him when he shot it out of that same tree stand. And then my brother-in-law shot a 160-inch eight-pointer out of that same tree stand that year. And that, that was just on a 40-acre parcel that I own. And we shot three giants out of one tree stand that year. Wow, that's not too bad. That's not too bad at all. No, that was that was a pretty pretty crazy year. And where do you do your spring bear hunting? We go to uh, northern Saskatchewan to Reindeer Lake Trout Camp. We've done it the last couple of years, and it's just absolutely incredible. We go up there super early. A couple of years ago, we went there before all the ice was off, so we weren't able to get to several of the bait stations. But but uh, we go up the end of uh, May, beginning of June. It's northern, northern Saskatchewan. We just absolutely love it. It's a great camp. Uh, we get, like I said, we get in there early, and you know, we're, we're the first first hunters in there, and got incredible fishing. And one of the things about bear hunting, I, I went several years ago here in Wisconsin. It takes seven or eight years of putting in for points to draw in Wisconsin, and I didn't really think I'd be too excited about bear hunting. You know, sitting over bear bait, and just I didn't I didn't think I would enjoy it. My brother told me, hey, just do it, just do it. I promise you're gonna fun. Well, after several years of putting in, I drew and I had a successful hunt. It was so much more enjoyable than I really thought. So I've been able to take a couple other people bear hunting, kind of had that same attitude that I did. It's now one of their their favorite things. I would definitely encourage anybody who is, you know, kind of on the fence about hunting over bait to give it a try. It's completely different 
You know, it's not a typical grinded out hunt, you know, whitetail hunting during the rut. You can sit in the tree, you know, if we sit in the tree from dark to dark and, you know, you just beat at the end of the day, you're not doing anything, but you're just completely exhausted. And this goes on for weeks and you, you can't wait for late season to come where you only have to hunt afternoons. Well, going bear hunting, you get up whenever you want to, you go out, you fish, and then you have your, your shore lunch on an island, you know, just great camaraderie. You're hanging out with the guys and then five, six o'clock at night, you go out and it's light until 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock. You know, you're only hunting in the evening. It's just a very relaxing hunt. And it's a hunt that I would definitely, you know, suggest doing to, to anybody. It's just, it's a completely different hunt. You, you're not grinding it out. You're not, you know, having to sit in the tree for 12, 14 hours. It's exciting having an animal that could potentially kill you. It's always fun. <laughs> I was amazed my first time going how quiet they are. That oh my goodness, isn't it crazy? You would think this two, 300 pound animal would make some noise, but they make less noise than a deer. Oh, by far. You know, their paws are padded and I shot my, my largest one this year is over 400 pounds. I mean, it was just there. I was just like, wow, you know, it's 15. 20 yards away and you i never heard a twig i never heard a leaf nothing they are absolutely silent yeah that was i think that was the thing that was the most awe-inspiring was as you said there's nothing there and then you got to shake your eyes and look again and go where in the heck did that just come from <laughs> right i would love to go up farther north into an area where there's a high high likelihood that the bear has never even seen a person before that's got to put yep. a whole different spin on it yeah absolutely in this this past year i took a buddy of mine bear hunting with us it was a high school friend of mine. I took out bull hunting a couple times just along with me. And then he went to college and moved off to places across the U.S. and came back just this past summer, kind of reconnected. And I had a pro staffer at the last minute who got very ill and wasn't able to go. So I, I reached out to him like, hey, you know, would you be interested in going on a bear hunt? He's like, well, when do you, well, first I asked him if he had a passport. And he said he did. I said, would you be interested in going on a bear hunt? And he said, well, what do you think? So we leave tomorrow at noon. And he ended up going, this person has, he had never killed an animal. So we went and got him hooked up with, uh, my brother-in-law had a crossbow, went out and shot the crossbow. We ended up taking him up there. And again, never harvested an animal in his life. And he gets the bear, of course, that we're all after. A big color phase bear that's got blonde and chocolate and caramel. I mean, just an absolute gorgeous bear. And he ends up getting it out of out of all of us. And you know, just the experience of taking a novice hunting or a novice hunt bear hunting and the emotions that he had it was it was just an incredible hunt and he'll spend the rest of his life trying to top that bear not realizing what <laughs> exactly. he was blessed with exactly no he had no clue <laughs> now have you been overseas to hunt at all with your show i have not one of the places that i i really i want to go stag hunting um whether it's new zealand or where wherever i i end up but I, i'd love to do that and, and again the same thing with hunting in africa you know i'm like i don't really know if i have a passion to go after them animals but in talking with people that have went over there as well you know they said the same thing kind of like how i was thinking about bear hunting you know once you go there you absolutely fall in love with it and you know can't wait to get back so that's someplace i definitely want to go to as well as hunting in africa and then i really would like to go after uh, after a stag well i can vouch for africa once you've gone it's your, your next thought process will be how do i get back <laughs> Everybody I talked to have said has said that to me, and I've, I've got a buddy who's been there a few times, and he's like, I guarantee it, Sherman. If you go, you will love it, and you will you will figure out a way to get there every year if you can. Yeah, that, there's just numerous places to go, and the quality and quantity of animals from one side of the continent to the other is unreal in many cases. That's that's what I've heard. And what about mule deer hunting? Have you done a lot of that? Uh 
I wouldn't say a lot. I've done, you know, I've done it several times. I actually just killed my largest mule deer beginning of October. I drew a really good tag in New Mexico as well. I was, was able to harvest a, a really good mule deer. Like I said, my, my son was out there. And then I actually, I also drew a, a once in a lifetime Oryx tag this year. So I'll be going to the White Sands Missile Range in late February to go after an Oryx. Oh, fantastic. So you did get drawn for that. I did. Yeah. So we had a, a great year. I drew two really good tags and my son drew a, a really good animal tag this year. All you've got to do now is get that Ibex tag. That's the one. I've been putting in for that for years too, but it just hasn't hit yet. How is the deer hunting in Wisconsin? I've, I've heard different things with the wolves and that the, the herd is well has paid a little bit of a price for that. Yeah, northern Wisconsin is, is really tough. The, they introduced the wolves and they wanted to have a couple hundred of them. Well, now there's hundreds and hundreds of them and they, they've absolutely decimated the northern herd. It's just to the point of, you know, people go hunting up there. I've got friends that go up there and, you know, spend six, seven days and don't see a deer. So the, in northern Wisconsin, the wolves have basically took away the deer. It's just a, a sad thing because that's where years ago all the deer were. There's very few deer in, in southern Wisconsin, but now, now, you know, southern Wisconsin is, is where We've got a great quality and quantity of deer. Wisconsin actually leads all Boone and Crockett of all states. I think I could be mistaken that now if, if Texas has more, but you know, as far as quantity, Texas is the only state that has more. I mean, I think we in Wisconsin here actually harvest more deer or close to as many deer as the state of Iowa has total. You know, if people think of Iowa as, as the mecca for deer hunting, and it is. I mean, I hunt Iowa every chance I can. I, I think the reason why people do so well in Iowa Iowa is several years ahead of us here in Wisconsin is what pass. You know, people will pass 150-inch deer in Iowa because, you know, they know that there's a really good chance of a bigger deer coming behind that. And I know myself, it's hard to pass 150-inch deer, <laughs> especially if I've got a, a camera guy with me. It's, you know, it ain't going to happen. I'm going to, if, if we've got good film of it, I'm trying to harvest that animal, and, you know, unless I'm in an area where they're telling me, hey, hold out for something better. But, you know, it's, it's tough to do. Yeah, the quality deer management can go a long ways. That's, I, I grew up in Michigan. And there's a lot of folks that just will not practice that. You see a lot of spikes and, and things that are down, and they just never get the opportunity to reach their full potential. Yeah. And why do you think that is? I have heard that from numerous people. I mean, Michigan, they've they've been struggling with that for years. I have no problem with, there's an early season youth hunt, which is unpopular mm -hmm. with a lot of folks, but I think it's a great way to get kids interested in out in the field hunting. Mm -hmm. I don't have enough numbers or, or data behind it to back anything up. So everything I'm about to say is just guessing. But I would think that I would prefer to see Michigan go to maybe a one buck tag so that you really have to think about that deer you're going to shoot. Mm -hmm. And and maybe you have to take a doe first before you can take a buck. Mm -hmm. Something that would encourage letting these younger deer to grow, to get some get some mass behind them. The state sure. itself has hundreds of thousands of acres of wild lands, you know, national forest lands that are eligible for anybody to hunt. And I just don't know if the herd is managed to a degree. Uh, like you said, it used to be that everybody went up north to hunt. The deer mm -hmm. herds, well, well, good, and you see great deer taken out of there. The big deer all come out of southern Michigan where they're on the farm fields, eating yeah. like cattle. So right. there are some some wolf issues going on and there's also been an increase in the number of black bears in the state which has a direct correlation to fawn mortality absolutely i don't know if there's a predator management issue if there's just too many bucks being 
too many immature bucks being taken. While I'm not a person that raises deer by any means, I do believe that the less does you have, the bigger the antlers on the bucks grow as they compete with each other. You know, if there was more of the the does that were taken out, more of the predator management, and more people willing to let that 125-inch deer walk till next year when he's 140-inch. I don't know. I think it's a number of factors. Yeah. But the land is there. The food is there. It should be a state that should easily rival the Ohio's, the Illinois's, the Iowa's. It's all there. So I, I guess it leads me to just believe it's mostly management. Yeah, hunters not, not being able to pass the year that they should. I think so. I think that's a big part of it. Yeah. I, I live down here yeah. in Texas now, and it's not an issue. A lot of people are surprised at how long our deer season is, but then you tell them that's because there's no real public land to hunt on. Landowners manage the herds, and you can have a three-month season. It doesn't detrimentally affect deer herds. Mm-hmm. Think yeah. starting with a bow season in early September through muzzle loader in mid-January, that's a very long deer season, and it, it doesn't affect the herds down here. I mean, they remove just what they need to, and, and they keep growing. Yeah, and, and that's real similar to where, the way it is here in Wisconsin. And I mean, there is a lot of a lot of public ground in Wisconsin, but there's a lot of, you know, a lot of the 40, 60, 80 acre parcels as well that, you know, people manage. And, you know, we had a real issue with CWD several years ago and the DNR came in and they just wanted to kill every deer. You know, they had what they called eradication zones where they literally were trying to kill every deer. People like myself worked my butt off for years to buy that little chunk of land that I'm trying to manage. And, and now you have the DNR coming in and telling me that the only reason why I bought that parcel of land, I need to kill every deer on it. You can imagine how popular that was. Yeah, it doesn't sit well. And, you know, right. And at the end of the day, you're not going to kill every animal. And CWD has been around since the early 70s. You know, it's nobody's ever gotten sick from it. You know, that's a whole nother issue, but it's definitely created uh, some issues in people's perspective is on, on the Wisconsin DNR. Yeah, same with the Texas Parks and Wildlife down here. There is uh, sometimes some very unfavorable, the game managers, game wardens, when they have to go out to a deer facility and say, kill off a few of your deer so we can test for chronic wasting. Yeah, yeah I can imagine. <laughs> Covered a lot of stuff, and I, I, I'm glad that your show's doing great in Canada. I would love to be able to see more of it here in the States. I encourage my listeners to go out to the YouTube page. That's accessible from anywhere around the world to watch, whether you're sitting in an airport or sitting at home with your favorite way to access YouTube. Watch the show. Enjoy it. Just the cinematography alone is, pictures are crystal clear and it explains now why, because it's shot in 4K. And enjoy the stories. I enjoyed the shows that I was able to catch up with. Well, I appreciate that. And I'm going to have links in the show notes to your bow manufacturer, as well as uh, I'll have links to some of the, I'd like to get you to provide some of the equipment you use just so some of our budding uh, videographers can get out there and look at some of that and determine whether it's uh, what's viable for them and you'll hear from some of them someday as they, as they go forward. That'd be great. I encourage encourage everybody to get out there and, and give it a try. It gives you a whole new perspective. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you that. <laughs> and you can easily be contacted through your website or the, or your Facebook page for both your business yeah, or your absolutely. personal. Correct. For sure. If anybody wants to get in contact with me, uh, like us on uh, Wicked 10 Outdoors and personal message me through there. And I'm on that numerous times a day. Well, great. Now, do you come down here to Texas at all? Do you come down to the Dallas Safari Club show? I haven't at this point. Not saying that it won't be something that I'll, I'll schedule here in the future. Well, hopefully we'll get to see you there. And uh, I, I really appreciate the time that you've given. Good luck on the remainder of your seasons and look forward to hearing how you did with your animals in New Mexico. You've, you've been having some good luck there. Maybe not with the elk 
help, but with everything else. Appreciate you uh, taking time to, to uh, chat with me, and we'll uh, we'll be in touch. Sounds good. Well, you have a great day. Uh, thanks a lot, Jason. I appreciate it. Thank you. Take care, Sherman. Okay. Bye. Sushi. 